Welcome to the Barefoot Scholars Podcast. Join three moms as we share all we've learned and are still learning on our adventure from paper and pencil work to the wide open world of barefoot education. Today, we're just going to have an open, candid conversation with you guys and see where it takes us. So I hope you enjoy the ride. You just never know what you're going to get with us. I'm Michelle. I'm Hannah. And I'm Sammy. So tell me about your day, you guys. What did you guys do today? We all stayed home today, right? Did everybody stay home? No, we did not stay home all day. We, on Wednesdays, always go to story time at the library. It's a three to five year old class so my daughter gets to do her like special story time where you know they sing songs and um do a read books do a craft and during that time our boys get to have some independent time in the library and you know check out what what books they want or have some quiet reading time a lot of times they'll do their math during that time um and then play on the computers and all that sort of stuff with what the library has to offer us um but then after that, we did come home, and it was a great day. We started reading our new um, curriculum for language arts, our new our new chapter book read, and they really enjoyed that. You know, we made lunch and just let's see. They finished their math. The boys did. Tilly said she wanted to practice writing her S's and A's, so she got her whiteboard out and just was doodling with that, and then drawing pictures on it. Um, and then we actually, the kids cuddled up to watch a movie to go along with our writing curriculum that we're doing. Um, it's where we're like exploring fairy tales. So they sat down and watched um, Maleficent, which is like a different version of Sleeping Beauty, so that we could start getting different perspectives on that. And then... Um, Today was a good day in Indiana to cuddle up and watch a movie. It was. It was so gray, so, so cold. So cold and windy. Yeah. And so we did that, and then we also... Um, when we were reading our book, I had I paused the movie because our book took us down this little rabbit hole of meringue cookies. It just mentioned it in the book, and my middle really wants to bake more, and so I asked him if he wanted to make meringue cookies, and neither one of us had ever done that before. So You just happen um, to have all that stuff on hand? Well, it's just egg whites, sugar, vanilla, and cream of tartar. So... Really? Yeah, and that's it. And so it was really fun. He was actually so amazed by, like, the peaks of the egg whites when you, you know, mix them. And they, I don't know, he he thought that was the coolest thing ever. So he had a lot of fun doing that. Were they good? They were delicious. And um, then they finished cuddling up to watch their movie. And uh, I did some yoga. And that was great. Hey. So, it was, you know, it was a good day. It was a good day overall. When you say your writing program, what do you mean? The fairy... We are doing Jot It Down, which is part of the Brave Writer with Julie Bogart. I did not know this. Yeah, so we, well, it's kind of loose, you know, like we're doing the projects that kind of speak to us and we decide that we want to do. I'm not trying to, I want them to enjoy writing, which is a big thing that Julie Bogart talks about, obviously. Um, And so they've been really interested in fairy tales, and so we just decided to kind of go down this little program that she has and project of you like revisit different tellings of the fairy tales and then the kids will um, write their own retelling of it and so like each kid will do that and they'll end up with their own book of like their own retelling of fairy tales so you know are all three of your kids doing that they're all three doing it Tilly, I'll transcribe for her since uh-huh. she's five. Milo, it'll be a mix because I don't want him getting overwhelmed by the writing, mm-hmm. so I will help him with it. Um, but I want like his thoughts coming out, obviously, mm-hmm. and then Lennon will take the reins of his own writing and all of that to see what they come up with. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's a simple thing, um, but we're excited. And they've been asked. They actually here's the real life part of it. You know, they wanted to do this like three months ago, and I feel like just holidays were approaching life was busy and I was too overwhelmed to say yes at that point so I told them I made them a promise I said when January comes we will we will do it so um we got started and we'll see how it all how it all goes I'm excited what was the fairy tale we're doing Sleeping Beauty mm-hmm. yeah. to start and then we, they have them all lined up which ones they want to do do you relate to Sleeping Beauty don't know. <laughs> Don't you love to sleep? Who doesn't? 
I would relate to out of all the princesses, I feel like Sleeping Beauty would might be like top five. That's your that's yeah. That's yours. I like Belle. Because <laughs> she reads or she falls in love with the beast. Because she reads, obviously. <laughs> I'm like all red over here, and it's not even a screen record. Um, no, I like that she reads, and you know she's an independent woman, not waiting for some man to just come kiss her. I mean, I guess she was asleep. It's not her fault. <laughs> Who's your Disney princess? Oh, Cinderella. I could guess that. Oh, come on. Come on. I don't, is Sleeping Beauty really your Disney princess? No. Okay. Top five. Top five. So who's yours? But who's you? Mulan. For sure. She's a warrior. That's true. Yeah. She is a warrior. And she kind of wants to be a boy. I'm picturing you like hacking off your hair right now. Definitely. Your chili bowl from your childhood. Absolutely. Yeah. That movie was meant for me. That's so good. you stayed home today? I did. I what stayed did your home. What did look like? Um, the best part of our day is we did some sewing. Emma finished up a project. Not the Christmas trees that <laughs> were supposed to be presents for everyone. That'll be for 2024. That'll be for 2024. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you're just really ahead for 2024. Right. I love it. Right. Absolutely. I like that. Thank Mind you. shift change. Mm-hmm. Love that. So, um, yeah, what yeah. did she make when she was sewing? Oh, she made a blanket. She finished her blanket and she like finished the border of it. And it turned out really great. Aww, I, I love it. that. Yeah, it was space themed, and she was really proud, and it was good. That's I awesome. saw in your stories that she was wearing like a coat and a winter hat. Was it? <laughs> that was fashion. That's fashion, was just fashion baby. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Beanie that you got me, the yellow one. Oh, the yellow. Yeah. yeah. How was your day, Michelle? It was really good. We, uh, I think my kids went to bed in their pajamas that they woke up in this morning. Never took them off. Not even sure that teeth were brushed today, to be totally honest. <laughs> we just don't get very many days that we have absolutely nowhere to be. And so we just soaked that in. We opened a new game that we got last year at Christmas that mm. hadn't been opened yet. Sushi Go. We Ooh, just played yeah. it. Yeah, we like Sushi Go. So fun. Mm-hmm. So um, Molly and Callie had, I don't know, this whole baby doll game, pretend play game going mm. all day. I mean, from like sun up to sundown. So Ella and I played okay. Aggravation a couple times, and then we figured out Go Sushi or Sushi Go, and what else did we do? Ella made lunch for everybody. Um, What'd you make? Oh, the the original ramen noodles, ramen oh. noodles, and well, I, love that. I made that for uh, dinner. Ham and cheese, grilled cheese. Love it. Um, a little continental, a little Asian. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Usually don't mix those. <laughs> what? We always do. Do you? Really? Oh, that's like chicken noodle soup. They don't like chicken noodle soup. Oh, so it's like, oh. that's their comfort meal. Ramen noodles and grilled oh, cheese. We're always ramen noodles and dumplings. Mm-hmm. From you. No. Yeah. <laughs> Did some planning for this coming semester. Really going to switch things up this semester, I think. So we're working through what that's going to look like as a team. Do you want to share and... what you guys went through? Sure. So we're just going to, I don't know, start playing by our own rules, I think. I love We're just going to, you know, not let anybody tell us what we can and can't do. And we're not going to let any curriculum guide us. And we're just going to shoot for the stars and hope we make it there on every individual path we have. So um, there had just, things had just become a struggle and more, uh, unhappy moments and happy moments and a lot of defeated feelings and that is you know totally the opposite of the reason why I'm homeschooling and all totally the opposite of the way I want my kids to feel so um we're not throwing it all away it's also going to be an option but uh we're going to see what happens when I let them decide when they're going to do it and that doesn't mean that we're not doing anything all day I know you guys know that but some Mm -hmm. of our listeners might not know what that looks like but that's why we're planning right now. We're planning and we're setting some goals and um, putting our minds together to figure out how we're going to accomplish those goals. And obviously, I'm going to help them and provide resources. And we're going to gather lots of resources from our community and see what we can do to accomplish those goals. That's so that's exciting. It's really scary, but it's going to be great. <laughs> why are you scared? You've never failed your children. Why are you scared? Because society. <laughs> The pressure. The pressure. I don't want any of my kids to feel like they're not as smart as their peers because they don't know a certain math fact or know how to spell one specific word or know a, you know, specific 
general's name in a war or some just trivial fact. Not that that stuff is not important, but um, I don't want them to feel like that defines them or makes them less than uh, somebody else. And also because I was a very studious straight-A student and then I was a teacher and I play by the rules and now I'm breaking all the rules that I've been taught my whole life to follow. But ultimately, ultimately it came down to remembering why I chose to homeschool. We're heading into our eighth semester of homeschooling and no two of our semesters have ever looked the same and it kind of stresses me out. But at the same time, I guess it shouldn't be that surprising because, you know, I'm constantly looking back and reflecting and just trying to figure it out and do what's best for all of us while all me and all three girls are constantly aging and changing and needing new challenges and learning and growing at different rates, which is part of parenting also. But when you add their education into the mix, it kind of makes it crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, we're so used to, I mean, like you were talking about societal pressures and that you're breaking all the rules that you've grown up with. I think all of us are right, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it mean you even more the fact that you were a teacher, but it's, what I think about is we are so used to every, not that every year looks the same, but every kindergarten, mm-hmm. every first, mm-hmm. second, that, you know, as you go through, this is what you learn, this is mm-hmm. what you do, this is how it looks, and these are the things that measure whether you are smart mm-hmm. or not. That's the point of standards, right? Right. Like they are admitted That's for exactly, that reason. Yeah, and, and when you're educating the masses, mm-hmm. I can understand how you want to have, you want to make sure people are being exposed to the same mm-hmm. things, and people are, you know, like, that does make sense for the system that those students are in, but mm-hmm. our student, our kids are not in those systems. Mm-hmm. And it's, but it is still so difficult to remember that and that we can do things differently than mm-hmm. that system. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, what I hear you saying is that you're looking at the strengths and weaknesses or, you know, growing opportunities mm-hmm. for each of your three children and then seeing, finding ways that are going to work best for them to highlight their strengths, mm-hmm. right? And, I mean, I feel like there's not a parent out there that wouldn't say that's exactly what they would want for their child. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you're focusing, you know, there's such a core thing about homeschooling of focus on the strengths instead of the weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of discussed this before, but like... But why is that so hard? Why does right. that feel so, so abnormal? Yeah, because that's not... Because well, we've it's... always been defined... You could have been a straight A... Or you could have had all A's, but you would have been defined by that one B. Yeah, you know, like, it's true. I, I've said this on this podcast before, but I'll say it again. Like, when I think about high school, I think about the fact that I was terrible at math. Mm-hmm. But I don't talk because I barely passed pre-calculus and almost lost my academic honors to pre-calculus. However, the, my first memory is not the fact that I had an over 100% in an AP English course. Mm -hmm. Like that never, Mm -hmm. that does not come to my mind. Every Mm -hmm. single time I think about high school, I think about the one thing that I was bad at. Mm -hmm. Well, not the one thing. I mean, I wasn't great at chemistry or physics, but (laughs) still, but again, like those are those things that like stick out to me the most. I don't think about the stuff that I was really excelling in or that I was, because I was, it was more about like, oh, I'm going to lose this status. Mm-hmm. Oh, which didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it it does not define me. It didn't define me then. I was going to get into college either way because that was my goal at that time, you know. Like, But just the fact that that's where, when I think of myself as a student, I immediately go to the negative. And yeah. I hate that. Like, I don't want that for my children and I know neither of you want that for your children I think that that's what you're talking to Michelle Mm -hmm. about like creating the space where that does not happen Mm -hmm. they won't be defined by the thing they're struggling with but instead finding resources like you said to highlight and chase those things that they're really good at Mm -hmm. and find alternative ways to learn the things Mm -hmm. they might be struggling with Mm -hmm. like I just think it's such an amazing gift to give your children why is it that like when we're struggling with something that like defines like a, a good education, like if it's hard for you, that must be mm-hmm. as challenging where I feel like we see that as an opportunity of maybe we need to change things up and like yeah. work on the relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you feel that way? Like yeah. when you're comparing like your yeah. own experience or like how we see public school? We taught, we were taught that learning should be hard. Mm-hmm. It should be, if, if you are, if it's too easy, then you're not being mm-hmm. challenged enough. Right. 
instead of but, maybe you're just good at that mm-hmm. and, and maybe you aren't being challenged enough but why do we have to live our life in a state of challenge yeah like well, is that really the goal as an adult i don't want to do things harder i want to do things smarter yeah i don't want to just feel like i'm banging my head against the wall i, I don't want to put be... that pressure on my child either right. i don't well, want to bring absolutely. that intensity to my yeah. child that like mm-hmm. it has to be difficult like right. this should not not necessarily be easy but like enjoyable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But well, then at I guess... the same time, even even if even if you see that they are ready for a challenge, or you yourself are ready for mm-hmm. a challenge, okay, think about like when it comes to jobs, okay, or okay, this podcast, this podcast, I think excited the three of us a little bit because it was a challenge. Like we are yeah. thinking in our own minds, it's been a while since we you know have been like yeah, we're challenged every single day in like little small ways, but the fact of learning something totally new, okay, but we got to decide when that was, and it was when we were in the state of mind. And we felt good enough to take on a challenge together. And we were driven by passion. Yeah. We were passionate about something that we wanted to say, okay, I'm so passionate right now. I want to go do more I'm ready to tackle that. But even if, let's say we're talking about math, even if you see that your child is ready for that challenge, let them relish in feeling victorious Mm -hmm. every day for a month Mm -hmm. at their math. Let them feel like they have this mastered so well that they haven't missed a problem in a month. Why is it when we get to day two and you've only missed one out of 10 in the last two days, like automatically you're ready to move on. Mm-hmm. Like that has to feel so frustrating and just hard. And I just feel like it, like let them feel actual victorious, mm-hmm. you know, let them, let them sit in that and be like, I got this. Like I got this mm-hmm. and they'll let you know when they are ready for another yeah. challenge. I remember you know, learning that in one of my, I think, feel like maybe it was year two, maybe three, but it, that exact same um, principle of let your kids relish in, in feeling victorious mm-hmm. and feeling good and understanding that they do know this. Like you shouldn't, because I think with homeschooling, it gets tricky for me, I know, because I'm like, okay, well, I see that you can do that. So yeah, let's go on, mm-hmm. let's go next. Cause it just seems like the right mm-hmm. thing to do, or I don't want to be bored or I don't want them to be bored. And but then it's like, no, let them celebrate. Mm-hmm. Let them feel good. If they've mastered these things so quickly, let them take a break. Mm-hmm. Like, let them have some time to just decompress. Or mm-hmm. um, it doesn't have to be just like, you don't always have to be climbing. You know, mm-hmm. when you're climbing a mountain, even, you're going to have, like, switchbacks. If anybody's, like, hikers mm-hmm. out there, obviously, like, nature, like, you're gonna, you're gonna, you don't go just straight up the mountain. Mm-hmm. You take your time, you go around, you move back and forth, and you repeat some of your steps so that you're not just always, you know, you want to do something that's better for your knees, so you're not climbing all mm-hmm. the way up, you're going back and around and back and forth, and gradually that makes your way up the mountain. Like, you're still gonna get up there, but do you feel empowered, or do you feel like, crap like what mm-hmm. you know I want mm-hmm. my kids to reach the top feeling empowered and feeling good and confident mm-hmm. like life is gonna suck for them plenty mm-hmm. of times life is gonna be hard life is gonna have its challenges mm-hmm. their education does not need at mm-hmm. this age does not need to be that or mm-hmm. really any age but mm-hmm. when they're you know they're if they're in college and choosing they're mm-hmm. hard mm-hmm. fine but I know my husband got a comment the other day from someone that doesn't understand our decision to homeschool and doesn't understand the ins and outs of it. And that's fine. I don't, I I don't expect everyone to, and you know, I will answer questions if they're actual curiosity driven questions. Um, but I'm not going to defend my choice over and over and over to the same person who doesn't really have interest in accepting it. They just want to corner me. Um, which you will encounter. Yeah. Just be prepared. Be prepared. (laughs) Um, hold your, hold your ground. Know that a lot of times it is coming from curiosity, but sometimes it's not. Uh, But she, you know, she asked about homework and tests and all that. And he said, well, no, they don't, they don't, I mean, they're doing their school at home and they don't need tests because Michelle's watching them all the time. She knows, you know, what they've learned. and, And the response was, well, we survived just fine. To which... Chad, and I was not there. He rehashed the conversation to me, and I've never been more proud of my husband. But he said, do you think that our whole goal for our kids is for them to merely survive? And I was like, 
babe. That was so good. Because you're right. We don't want them to just survive and barely hang in there while they're on depressed and not getting enough sleep and sick every other week. And, you know, and I'm not saying that public school, if your kid goes to public school, you're doomed to that lifestyle. I'm not saying that at all. But also, I'm doing everything in my power to prevent those situations from becoming my kid's reality. And I have the ability to to do that. So why wouldn't I do everything in my power to avoid that? from becoming the reality. So interesting you say that about, like, sleep. You just mentioned sleep. Um, Elijah's teacher just emailed all the parents, like, you know, through mass email. Mm-hmm. Um, she took a poll, and over 50% of the students only got five hours of sleep. I believe that. And 10% only got two to three hours And this sleep. is a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. I was just telling my neighbor by that. the other night, her kids are grown, but they were over playing cards, and she is she has struggled with sleep for many years and she was telling me about some podcast she was listening to and she's currently reading a book about sleep mm. and I said I don't know how these kids are surviving because my girls are sleeping a solid 11 to 12 hours every single night mm-hmm. and that's you know they're because they don't have after school activities and we're not having to run to the grocery store after school because I can do that during the day and you know lots of things that are adding up and then they're able to sleep and I don't I very rarely wake them up and I'm sure some people will disagree with that, and that's fine. Um, but I've read a lot about the benefits of your body naturally waking up. And to me, I feel like if they are sleeping later, there's a reason for that, and their mm-hmm. bodies need that. Mm-hmm. They're not doing it to avoid something. They're not, they can't, well, and they're on not that, that conscious. Well, like, they, <laughs> yeah. they will get yes. up and go do it, but yes. there's no reason to. But there's no reason. Yeah. And I, I mean, gosh, that's really scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I remember like the schedule he had where you know practices were till 10 o'clock at night yeah. and then you still and that was for a short period of time mm-hmm. but I think there are just systems that are not definitely not helping the kids right mm-hmm. like and again this is not about bashing the the situation of public mm-hmm. schools it's just about the fact that like it is scary to think about so many children in our world not getting enough sleep teenagers mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. getting enough sleep, people going through puberty who mm-hmm. are not sleeping like Mm -hmm. that's not healthy and I think we have such a good uh, such a huge benefit of being able to Mm -hmm. slow down and it's not everybody's reality but the fact that like you said you can let them go to sleep they're not staying up all hours of the night trying to get their homework done or you know what Mm -hmm. like it is such a benefit that definitely wasn't on my radar Mm -hmm. when we started this right well I think homeschool has like a slow down approach like Mm -hmm. we slow down our life and appreciate the now um I hate to compare but just because this is my experience but public school it is preparing them for like the hustle culture of America Mm -hmm. of working 10 hours not Mm -hmm. taking a break not having time to enjoy things that you care about Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, that's how I feel it. I don't yeah. know if that's right. That's just my reality of it. Because when you go to school and you have maybe a sport, so that's a passion, but a lot of kids have jobs. Mm-hmm. That's like, mm-hmm. that's 10 plus hours of their day. It's preparing them for whole, uh, hustle culture in America. That's what I feel like. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and here's think, the, oh, sorry. I was, I think that's, I think you're right. I mean, the whole, there's a lot of research about, you know, the, the system of schooling. And this is not about teachers or mm-hmm. what teachers are doing or anything like that. But the system of schooling is to prepare workers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's to prepare people mm-hmm. to follow direction and instruction and to, to turn out the workforce, which obviously the workforce is important. Mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of research about how, like, so many of the jobs that our children will be doing have not even been created mm-hmm. yet. And we're seeing so many more entrepreneurs and, you know, our kids don't need to necessarily be, pre- be prepared for such a scripted life. Like, mm-hmm. they need to be able to think on their feet. They need to be able to react to real-life situations. Um, and also, I mean, personally, I would love nothing more for my kids to be able to have ownership over their life and have strong boundaries mm-hmm. and understand how to take care of themselves when they do enter the workforce. Mm-hmm. I think and they'll make adjustments everyone does Mm -hmm. but like I don't think it's fair to say that if they have to get up at early when they're six years old and stay up late doing homework and be miserable at school that that's preparing them for the real world because if that is then like that's not a life to live Mm -hmm. you know like I would much rather my kids be so strong in who they are what they Mm -hmm. need what boundaries they need 
um, and understand what's healthy mm-hmm. versus just, well, this is what everybody else does, so I have to go and do the same thing. Well, and here's the thing. I went to public schools all through school and then got a four-year degree in elementary education. And when I stepped foot in my first classroom, that I felt very unprepared. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will never forget that. And I think most people would say the same thing about their first day at their new job. Like, Absolutely. regardless of what training you had outside mm-hmm. of that, you still, like – you know, when you even when you switch and you have years of experience in a f- certain field, you switch. I would have switched schools because I was a teacher. So I have a new principal. I have a new team of teachers. I have a new crowd of students. I have new. I mean, and and so if if we're teaching our kids to think critically, be resilient, persevere, hold true to their boundaries and themselves, I mean, they that they're going to be okay. Yeah. They're going to be okay. Let's go back to something that you mentioned earlier. You're doing Jot It Down by with Jobo, Julie Bogart. Mm-hmm. And we're all reading her a gracious space right now. And she talks about, like, the different camps of speech and writing. Mm-hmm. What did you think about that? Yeah, she just basically said that there were two camps that educators of writers kind of fall into. One was that writing is separate from speech so basically that says that even if you're learning to write in your native language it's going to feel foreign to you and it's like learning a whole new language because speech and writing are not connected um the other camp says that if you are learning how to write in your native language then speech and writing are connected because writing is basically an extension of your speech Um, and basically she just kind of broke it down and goes on to say that you know that that the camp that writing is foreign comes from the mindset that our kids have to have it perfect to be able to ever get it down on paper. So, you know, I, I remember learning writing and I remember teaching writing and it was, you know, start your sentence with a capital letter end with a punctuation mark, write the sentence, the cat is eating, period. And you would go on and you would copy these sentences, right? And so, in your mind, writing is taking those thoughts of someone else's and writing them down and making sure that you have everything correct so that it's not wrong. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that writing is getting your thoughts out of your head. Mm-hmm. And instead of coming out of your mouth, or maybe they do in the early years, but eventually they get to paper. Regardless of if you're grammatically correct, if your punctuation is right, if you have a capital letter or ended to the right space, obviously all that stuff comes eventually but also, I don't. I feel weird even saying obviously because social media is the way that writing happens mm-hmm. in most days. Even for people making money on writing, and the rules there are so scattered that I don't even feel like you have to know that stuff most of the time. To mm-hmm. be completely honest, but let's pretend like you do. Let's pretend like so. Yes, eventually, but you you know she just talks about making writing allowing your child to feel the connection between their thoughts and writing before you ever sit there and criticize all the things they did wrong. And, you know, when I read that probably two years ago out of a different, out of one of her original books, Mm -hmm. um, you know, she told you to put the red pen away and not like when you're, when your child brought you something that they wrote, congratulate them, compliment them and and not criticize it not show them all the words they spelled wrong not and you guys that was really hard for me because again like I am kind of a perfectionist like I don't know I think I kind of got like a high out of seeing like the proofreading marks on my papers in school because I'm like oh now I know and I won't make that okay and so it was hard for me to not but once I stopped doing that Kelly especially but even Ella who doesn't necessarily love to do school work you know they are writing all the time, mm-hmm. so many things. Because to them, the writing is associated with telling their story or writing a letter to their friend or, you know, and <laughs> you guys will probably laugh at me, but for a while they were exchanging letters with a homeschool family, two sisters that are similar in age. And this homeschool mom has told me like, grammar and grammatics is her like that's her non-negotiable like that I that's just like her thing Mm -hmm. she's not willing to bend on and that's like the focus in their homeschool Mm -hmm. which everybody has their own and that's that's fine but then when Ellen Kelly would write letters to them I'm like oh my gosh she's gonna think that I 
don't do anything and mm-hmm. that I'm failing these kids because, you know, her kids have perfect. But then we got their letters and guess what? They still weren't perfect mm-hmm. and they still had misspelled words. And that honestly relieved me because I'm like, okay, this is, this is good. You know, and this is where learning happens. And as you expose them to rich literature and games and life, just, you know, on books and maps and signs and, you know, uh, plaques at the state park and all the things, those those little things click and they will self-correct. Um, and that's one of the things I love about our reading curriculum because she does teach the mechanics and the grammar, but it's in such a realistic way. And it's in like a, hey, just FYI, but you don't sit there and pound it into their heads. But I, there was, uh, we talked about um, onomatopoeias. Mm-hmm. We've talked about those throughout. I yeah. mean, I feel like at least in every book, there's at least one, right? And we were at the lunch table the other day, and Molly, the youngest, who doesn't sit during while we're doing our reading curriculum, said, I, Zoom or something. And I was like, hey, hey, that's an onomatopoeia. Anonyma, an <gasps> and, like, the, yeah, those instances have happened so many times. And she also knows that typically that's one word that you end with an exclamation point, and that's it. You know? And never once has she been told to sit and write 47 onomatopoeias or copy the word zoom exclamation point 47 times. That's Mm -hmm. that's literally never happened. We've done copy work straight from a book that made sense to her and she got to enjoy the reading of and, Mm -hmm. you know, experience. She's connected to. But yeah. yeah. But it's just, when I read that in the gracious, a gracious space the other day, it really just was like, yeah, I almost made it hard for me to see how anyone would think otherwise. Well, she just talks but, so much about giving value to your kid's voice. Yes. Like, like you kind of said, like that is the importance of writing. Writing should be what happens when kids know that their voice matters mm-hmm. and that that's what they're getting. And I know she says like, because again, she's all about the, Julie Bogart is all in the camp of, yes, learning grammatic, you yes. know, or using, Even learning sure. grammar, yeah. learning all of that, correcting grammatical errors. But she says never correct it on your kid's own voice work because that will make them pull back. It'll make them draw back. It makes them self-conscious about their own thoughts. But if you read your kid's story that's beautiful and wonderful and you celebrate them, make the note of like, okay, these are the words I misspelled. Mm -hmm. Or this is like, okay, they didn't start a single sentence with a capital letter. Mm -hmm. And so the next time you're doing your copy work and doing your actual like more traditional schoolwork, quote unquote, bring that up in there with someone else's words because then it's not a reflection on Mm -hmm. them and their voice still matters and they don't get defeated by that. They don't want to, like, it doesn't silence them. They know that they can still share their voice. And I thought that that was so powerful of like, you can still make corrections. You can still use that as a tool for your own self of kind of evaluating if you so choose. But if what they hear is love and praise and celebrating that they that they shared their voice and their voice matters, like that's what you want your kids to walk away mm-hmm. with. And I thought that was such like it is crazy that we spend so much time focusing on the complete opposite. I mean, I know that that happened to me all the time. Mm-hmm. Like just like the complete opposite mm-hmm. of it's never about how good something thoughts was. Are. It didn't mm-hmm. matter what the thoughts were. It didn't matter. It just mattered whether you followed these specific rules, you know, and that's just like such a, it's just such a backwards way to do mm-hmm. things. Cause it does, it quiets. I mean, you think about the amount of voices that have been lost in this world mm-hmm. because of that. And it's, mm-hmm. it's criminal. I mean, how, like truly. Yeah. I don't think I would ever be a writer. Like that was never my future, but I, I think I can relate to that as like the fear of failing, mm-hmm. failing, um, or being called out on my failure. Like that never feels good. Um, so I don't know, I guess that's the only relatable thing for me when I, when I hear you guys talk about that, like, I don't want to fail. So why would I want my child to write something to me and then point out all the things that they did wrong? Mm-hmm. Right. So, it's just, I mean, we all know that that's not a good feeling, right? It, it's a horrible And feeling. I don't want to be the bully to my child, right? Someone, mm-hmm. somebody shared mm-hmm. something yeah. and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, sometimes I feel that way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't want to do that to my own child. I love her. Like everything she does is so wonderful. Um, but I guess that is a hard thing for me, though, you guys. Like, where's the point of, like, 
teaching, like mm-hmm. correcting, and- correcting and being encouraging. I struggle with that a lot. Um, I don't know. I can, yeah, yeah. One, mm-hmm. it's yeah. hard. I know a lot of times it's my tone. Like I can check mm-hmm. myself, and I'll, I'll repair with them. I'm like, you know what? I wasn't being kind. I feel like maybe yeah. my approach was wrong. Um, and I'm sorry, and I love you, and I don't know why I'm feeling this way, but I feel, like, anxious for some reason because you're not understanding me, and that's not your fault. That's on me. Like, I need to figure out how to explain this better. Mm-hmm. And that's another struggle of mine, too. Like, I want to feel like I want to bring the energy and make it exciting and fun because we know learning can't happen when there's not, like, play involved and, like, a real-life connection or some type of benefit for the for the child. But I struggle with that sometimes. I'm like, how do I make an adverb exciting? You know, and like talking about it, and I use the copy work, and she loves the book. But sometimes going through it is still difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever feel yeah. that way? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I think I, I would say like with language arts, I feel like I I think because of those principles that we just discussed of you know like always correct with someone else's work and those those sorts of things have made it easier for me to find a way to. Mm-hmm do those things with language arts but I feel like with math it's always difficult for me and I know 100% like I said earlier I was defined by the fact that I was bad at math and it's like I'm so afraid of failing my children in that and it's like I know there will be a point of math that I cannot teach them now I've also learned that there's so many resources out there Mm -hmm. um there's so much help there's free help there's plenty of things that they're going to be able to find um i've also learned that at least my middle his brain does not work any way that mine does and so his brain just does his own thing and i'm kind of along for the ride on that like um but i get i know i feel myself like projecting my own insecurities on when i see them not doing something right with math but then it's like wait a second you have time like (laughs) You have time to figure this out. And when you look at elementary math as a whole, there are not that many new concepts. And maybe some people are going to scoff at that. I get that. But if you truly sit down and see year after year, so much of the elementary math is a rep- It's like a pattern. Mm-hmm. You learn these steps and then you do it more. You do it bigger. You do it with money. You do it with fractions. You do- But it's still the same mechanics. And so when I'm looking at it from a homeschooling perspective and that I'm not on some like um, just trivial timeline, we can massage that and we can get through things a lot quicker because when something clicks, they have it so naturally that it click, it, it all falls into place. Mm-hmm. Like, um, And then when something doesn't click, we just have the benefit of having time to slow down and to be able to use a different curriculum or a different manipulative or a different video, a different way. You know, we, we do are able to just take the time to figure out what is going to click or if it's not going to click to pause it and say I'm going to wait till you're ready for this or till I can have a real life thing to teach you with it Mm -hmm. but like I definitely still kind of back to your original thing because of course I went on a tangent (laughs) um I still struggle like we said earlier of sometimes I'm like well, this does suck and you're just going to have to do it, you know, like, or I can't make this exciting and fun. You're just going to have to figure it out. Like it wasn't kind of that camp of Michelle that you mentioned of like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't fun for me, but I figured it Mm -hmm. out. But then it's like, but wait a second, not everything. And it doesn't always have to be butterflies and rainbows. It's not Mm -hmm. going to be, but if you can find a connected way to teach and learn, why would it you Mm -hmm. and if you're choosing to homeschool therefore you have the time and space and resources available to you why wouldn't you do that like right even though it's hard that's the end game right that's the end of the goal is like when they become successful adults or productive adults it's them being able to find a job that they can take an information dissect it and apply it to whatever the job is they Mm -hmm. got hired for Mm -hmm. not necessarily teaching them how to do the job but how to take an information and figure out Mm -hmm. how to problem solve how to continue learning yeah how to want to continue learning Mm -hmm. how to not think how to have the confidence that you can do it exactly and not think that I have to have someone tell me what it is that I should learn, but going and Mm -hmm. seeking information on your own. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that is such a huge benefit and like what I hope to instill of you can figure it out. Mm -hmm. And what I want to model more, because I I am not a risk taker in that. I am not, 
I, I want I want to model that though more for them and come alongside them and, and learn with them because I I wish I would have always been a lifelong learner. I feel like I was a I was well, I think a that's, recipient of teaching. I think that's our culture too, right? Absolutely. Like, Again, they hold your hand through the whole thing. So, you know, in high school, yeah, it goes from daily tasks to maybe a semester-long syllabus or a quarter-long syllabus that you're more responsible for planning yourself out for. But even my my aunt was telling me the other day, her daughter and my cousin is in, she's a junior in high school. And she was telling me about a book her daughter was reading for school. And she's like, it's a book that's been banned in a couple other school districts but ours has not and there's a movie about it and she's telling me about it I was like oh it's Freedom Riders she's like yeah that's right and I was like okay yeah I know I'm on the same page read the book see the movie all the things she's like so she has to read the book and she has to their assignment at the end of reading the book is to write a letter stating to as if it's going to school boards who have banned the book about why the book should not be banned which I thought was interesting because then my question was, what if she does believe that the book should be banned? Mm-hmm. You know, because, and she said, well, I don't know. That's a good question. You know, which goes back to whether, whether it's right or it's wrong, mm-hmm. goes back to all the thinking mm-hmm. that is behind that assignment has been taken out. They're telling you this is the viewpoint you are going to get. And your job is to figure out what exactly we want to hear from your voice. Mm-hmm. It's not we want to hear your thoughts. It's not we want you to be able to take a stance and Shout come up yeah. with your own, as we all should be able to do as adults. Whether our opinion is the same or different on whatever the case mm-hmm. You know, it's our responsibility to shift through or uh, sift. It's our responsibility to sift through the information that's out there and come up with the facts that sit with us or that support our stance. Our job is not to listen to this one person and never have original ideas of our own. Yeah. And I thought that was so interesting because I was just like, mm-hmm. okay, so. You know, the idea behind banning a book is so that the person can't be exposed to it to right. form their own opinions based on the book, but you're telling them that their opinion is that the book should not be banned. Yeah. Which seems kind of backwards to Counterintuitive. me. Counterintuitive. You know? This is definitely different than what you were just saying, but kind of along the same lines. Like, Julie Bogart in one of her most recent podcasts was talking about um, how elementary students will be asked, you know, to say whether or not they want to have 15 minutes added to their recess. And they are sitting there and they're supposed to give their opinion and they're supposed to share the why, you know, and they're supposed to defend. It's all about uh, persuasive writing mm-hmm. and they're supposed to sh- defend their their stance. Mm-hmm. And what she said was, I loved it so much. She's like, you know, these seven to nine-year-olds should not be thinking that they have this much power. Mm-hmm. It, what ends up happening is that these kids think they're a whole lot smarter than they actually are because the focus when they're that young should not be on picking a side. Mm-hmm. It should yeah. be focused on gathering information and learning where information comes from and learning how mm-hmm. information is formed and learning how perspectives are formed or opinions are formed. But you're not, like, that just makes mm-hmm. people think they're a whole lot smarter than they are when they're told to choose and they just go jump off from that that point. Like, their jumping off point is choose your decision and then go find the information to back it up. Yeah. Well, and Versus, she, like, why don't we just learn about... See, let's make a list of pros and cons. Of, but, like, let's look at it as a whole picture versus right. I'm going to make this one decision and I'm going to defend it regardless of who it impacts, mm-hmm. how it is, mm-hmm. what it is. And I thought that was so powerful because there's a lot of that that happens in the world mm-hmm. as adults where... People are inflated just because they decided to stick to this one thing mm-hmm. versus understanding, like, let's be open. Let's be open to evolving, to understanding the whole picture. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to make a decision right away. Mm-hmm. And once we make a decision, we can be open to change. Well, and the other thing she talked about, too, was using that as a moment, as a teaching moment of having them go to outside resources to, to gather that information. Mm-hmm. Go to the principal and ask him. 
is there enough time in the day that every classroom in here gets 20 minutes versus 15 minutes? And again, yeah. you're, you know, you talking about the whole picture. They're kids. Kids are egocentric. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. That's not like a parenting. That's that's how kids that age are. Mm-hmm. It's they're they're in a very egocentric state of mind. Okay, and even if they're, you know, yes, they're probably showing kindness to friends and siblings and all of that, but like worrying about the fifth graders when you're in first grade and if they have time for recess, that's not even something that they can comprehend. So I loved her idea too of just using that as, because that to me is the bigger, the bigger lesson. Figure out how you get information, who you talk to, how it does impact everybody versus defending yourself Mm -hmm. in first grade. And she said like 12 years old is kind of, and I don't know where she pick that number out of but Mm -hmm. you know like 12 years old is kind of the ripe age for you to start then forming Mm -hmm. like taking a side because Mm -hmm. then you're you you have a little bit of a broader view you know you don't necessarily have a worldly view necessarily but a broader view or you've learned if you have taken time to learn how to gather information even I feel like just exposures to friends and stuff I mean when I think about a first grader you very rarely been in someone else's house that your parent didn't pick for you Mm-hmm. which means that they are probably very similar to you in a lot of ways versus by the time you're 12, you know, having been in different houses or, you know, sporting, different things, you know, to even understand. Because when you're six, your life is the only thing you know. And right. it's probably been pretty stable. And you haven't even been exposed to other – you don't even know that some people – don't eat dinner as a family and yeah. don't eat until eight o'clock at night. Like, well, and even if it's not stable, it's still the same thing. Right. So like, like you just, you know what you know and that's right. it. And that's not a fault. That's just, right. that's yeah. natural. That, I mean, that's, that's what's going to happen when you're six years old. Yeah. So to then stand your ground on, oh, this yes. is what I feel. Like, why don't we learn to gather information first and make informed decisions versus just picking one thing and running with that. That's interesting because I did not listen to the podcast. So when you were first bringing it up, I thought my mind went to, well, if the child has something that they want to write about, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's worthy of listening to and, and reading. But again, they that's that's not them coming up it's with that and writing saying. it. That's the teacher saying, this is you, this is the writing this assignment the and you take one stance or the other. You take, yeah. Okay. That's not, that's not original thought. Yeah. I don't feel like. Gotcha. And it's not that they can't have the opinion, I don't think. It's mm-hmm. more so about like, what skill. If we're going to teach a still, skill, because obviously that's the whole point of that lesson, right, mm-hmm. is to, the teacher is teaching a skill. Mm-hmm. But what is a more beneficial skill? Making a choice and then going to seek the information to defend it mm-hmm. or having a, having a, not necessarily a problem, but having a... An idea, maybe. An idea or a, you know... An experience and then figuring out what does that so so I, okay backing up this this better way to say it so it would be like say if the prompt is about adding 15 minutes to recess instead of saying okay everyone we're gonna write about the adding 15 minutes to recess decide if you're for it or against it and then tell me why that would be the original prompt I think the Julie Bogart ish side prompt would be if we were to add 15 minutes to recess, what would happen? Let's go interview our teachers, our principals, mm-hmm. our uh, other students, and let's find out what would happen if we were to add 15 minutes to recess. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. because then you are seeing, oh, I have fifth graders to think about. I mm-hmm. have second graders. I have, oh, if we add this, because I mean, I would be all for it. I think more outside time, more play time, go for it. You know, definitely. But that's not stopping and thinking about what is the ripple effect? Mm-hmm. What do you have to get away? Does that mean you take 15 minutes of art class? Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily going to be, you know, that you take 15 minutes of math. It could be. So mm-hmm. what are you going to lose? Like, it's probably so going to be lunchtime. It being investigating <laughs> versus this is mm-hmm. what I feel and now I'm going to go find information to defend mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Like, learn, remembering to investigate or to, mm-hmm. to I don't know. Does that like? Yeah, yeah. I hear yeah. you. I didn't hear the podcast. So right. when you first started talking about it, I was like, "Well, if they're going to write, they're going to write. That's great." Mm-hmm. But I hear what you're saying now. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that whole conversation about seeking information, or you know, 
taking your opinion. I think that that's something that we can all relate to as homeschoolers because there's so, we're just parents in general. There's so much out there that's constantly flooding you. And I think like when I think about this podcast and I think about listeners that we have um, or will hope to obtain, like I want this space to feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, like I want this space to feel inspiring. I want it to feel relatable and if it doesn't feel like that, and this kind of goes back to, okay, let's even back up even more about the beginning of our podcast. We were saying, like, learning shouldn't be, you know, this terrible uphill battle, right? Like, these types of spaces should be inspiring, should feel good. And, like, I'm all about challenging yourself. I'm all about, like, getting outside of your comfort zone and learning things that are new to you. I think that's super, super important. But I also, you know, like, if you're, if you're listening to this and it's not your vibe it's not it's not what's working for you like that's okay go find what does you know there's so much information out there um there's so many different curriculums there's so like we are in such an like overstimulation phase right like you can find anything everything and it can be really hard to choose like what is right for me what is right for my family what is right for each of my own children I want to add something really quick right there. absolutely. And feel free to delete people you're following that make you feel bad. If -hmm. you're looking at a a real, a profile every single day, or you're listening to a podcast every single day that's making you feel like you are not enough, delete them because that's not true. They may do things differently than you. They may do more of x than you but you do more of y than them and you're only seeing a snippet so if you're following accounts that are making you feel bad or making you feel like you are not good enough unfollow them there's plenty that you will relate relate to to. and understand and yeah like feel seen by you Mm -hmm. know like we won't be everybody's cup of tea we already know that as individuals (laughs) we know that as the three of us we Mm -hmm. know that as this podcast but find find what works and and don't be scared of new you -hmm. know but like just, I don't know, just just remember, like, there's there's so much out there. So you'll find what works for you and what inspires you. That's what I love about us three. I feel like this is a safe space for me, um, and that's beautiful. But we're all, we're very different, mm-hmm. but we're kind of similar at the mm-hmm. same time. Like, mm-hmm. we do things completely different. We have different beliefs. Um, I think our core values match. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're still very different. And I think that's what's so unique and exciting for me. So, mm-hmm. Well, you did a day in a life for all of us, which one day we will. You know, Michelle, of course, already has hers done and <laughs> queued up because that's Michelle. <laughs> Sammy and I haven't even thought about it. And I'll think of it before Sammy does, but then Sammy will. So, But that is it, right? Like, we all can see the strengths in each other. We can see the weaknesses in each other. We can see the room to grow. And we can feed off of it and... That, that's what, like, we hope to provide in this space for anybody who is listening. We want to feel good, but, like, there's so much out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So don't be afraid to seek the information before you make the decision, mm-hmm. I think, is the whole the whole mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I had a lot of fun with this podcast, you guys. Yeah. And we will continue doing these kind of throughout the year. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at barefootscholars underscore the podcast to follow along on all of our adventures. You can also like and subscribe to our channel to make sure you don't miss our next episode. And if you like what you hear, we would love for you to leave a review.